Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio. It's looking nice, isn't it, Jason? It is looking nice. We have uh, been some fine upgrades. We spruced it up. Uh, yep. A, Michael is not here today. I don't know where he is. That, that and has, I didn't even ask has, because I didn't want him to seem That annoyed. has nothing to do with the improvement of the appearance of the studio, though, just to be clear. Well, it was partly for Michael. It was, right. Right. This is a gift to Michael. And when Michael's not on the podcast, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen, so he won't, we're not even ruining the surprise. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, he won't hear this, but uh, we've spruced up the podcast studio, partly also because uh, we have some uh, esteemed guests who are here, and I'll let them introduce themselves in just a moment. One is a regular guest who you'll be familiar with. Um, the meme wall, it's not just one wall now. I kind of scattered it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's back up. We did lose some of our dankest memes in the process of moving studios a while back. So I need to uh, to remake them. The there was the one I don't know you never saw it, Jason, but I the, did not. No, you know the meme where the car is driving down the freeway and then it quick gets off on the exit. Yep. Yeah, I had um, a third use of the law meme that was pretty good. That was like you know preach Jesus, you know whatever. <laughs> and then they, they're like third the use cars of the going law. off at the third use of the law. Yeah. Um, but we did recover uh, some. We have some art up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some flags up, and uh, I think it's it's looking nicer. And I would like to thank Jason for his help. Uh, Jason put today's episode together, um, and I gifted you, you did. a present for doing something. Yeah, that was very kind of you. And uh, did you like the present? You can yeah. be honest. Yeah, it was good. Yep, and, I uh, that. and so I thank Jason for his help. He got here early and was a trooper and uh, did some of the stuff he had to step on chairs for. Probably saved me from injury. So yeah, I'd like to thank you, Jason. Well, thank for, you. For I appreciate. Help. I appreciate that. You are um, very welcome. So we're in this refurbished studio. The air conditioner is turned off because uh, one of our guests recently um, complimented my lack of concern for the sound on our podcast episodes um, because uh, I have mentioned before that I'm just going to run the air because I don't want to be hot. So I have turned that off for the uh, the quality, the aesthetic of this, uh, the acoustic aesthetic of this episode. And so why don't we just briefly, uh, we'll get into what our topic will be in a moment. We'll let our guests introduce themselves. And let's start with our most regular guest. I would say probably top three most regular guests. Mark Brown's probably still number one, but. What an honor I've made it. Is, is it like the SNL guests when you get the fifth time hosting? And you get like a special smoker's jacket or no, something like that? No, I would that? maybe do a sweater vest, though. A sweater vest? <laughs> if you would wear a sweater vest, I'll get it. Could it be a Christmas one? Um, I feel like it should have a Let the Bird Fly. It could have a Christmas-themed Let the Bird Fly. Okay. Ooh. Like I'm for patch it. or something. I'm for it. Uh, yes. WLC campus pastor, Greg Lyon. Um, happy to be back recording with you again. And also joining us is Greg's pastor and my pastor, um, I've been blessed to be helping out some at uh, Pilgrim, where Greg also helps out, and I will former roommate, and um, uh, probably what was uh, junior year. It, it would have been my senior year, junior year. Yeah. Yep. Or um, and uh, a house that I think thoroughly disgusted both of our current wives. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe so. They would come down and. Uh, the the problem was that I don't Colin did, but I learned if I just don't do the thing, Trisha will come down and get disgusted and do it herself. <laughs> and um, 
Remember the shower in the basement of that place? It wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> um, roommate uh, was in our uh, wedding and uh, now uh, serving the Johnston family, which they're greatly enjoying. I'll let you introduce yourself, Colin Vanderhoof. Yeah. Uh, neat how that works out. Um, been at Pilgrim now for three years, starting year number four, and uh, happy to serve as pastor for both you guys and your families. Um, Prior to that, was in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, for seven years, and prior to that, Mauston, Wisconsin. So we, we we end up for baseball or softball almost every year out at. Uh, yeah, they built that complex. right after I left. Nice complex out there. So we can spend some time. So all my years in Wisconsin, and awful lot of Michigan in here for for a Wisconsin guy. <laughs> yeah, but, there's, there's yeah. definitely more Michigan. I don't have anything state up yet. I got to get something from Nick, yeah. but I got to get Wisconsin up too. We got. I got a daughter at Wisconsin. So. Can I just add, having spent two days on the road with Wade, I have a newfound appreciation for, you lived with him for a year? <laughs> I did, yeah. Okay, and I can only imagine he was, he must have been less obnoxious back then for you to actually live with you him You know, one of, the, one of the best things about that house that I missed too is, uh, remember those video game chairs we had? Yeah. I've yeah. always wanted to get one of those, and my wife says no for the living room. We, we probably spent that was the main furniture, that and a couch. We probably spent too much time in those chairs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think good. it made us better pastors. Sure. <laughs> Check out the new uh, video game chairs that WLC has with eSports. They are hardcore video game chairs. Really? Oh, man. Pretty hardcore. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. Have, to go, I'll have to go check that out. Right. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Pastor Lyon and Pastor Vanderhoof joining us uh, today, and we're going to be talking why ministry. And the thought for this episode is, is not, um, it's not too constricted. It's not simply like why ministry, like we're here just to recruit people for ministry, although um, hopefully it will be an encouragement to some people who are maybe thinking about it. Um, and it's not going to be just simply what's all the stuff you do in ministry. Um, but why ministry in the sense of uh, none of us have quit yet, so far as I know. Uh, no, no, not yet. You you've semi quit, but you're still getting paid full time. Right. Yep. Yep. And, exactly. Uh, there, there's been some question about my level of engagement, but yeah. uh, no, it's I a am touch full-time. awkward. I'm surprised you brought but it we're, up. Uh, <laughs> where did you have your 18th anniversary of your ordination recently? Um, I have not reached. It was you later on in you August. You ordained like you do with everything, didn't you? <laughs> yes, oh. I did. Yes. Well, what did you do that you couldn't get ordained in July? There was there was a vicar still serving. Today at the congregation that I was assigned to. So they wanted to officially end the vicar before yeah, they blame them. ordained me. So I was I officially started on the 1st of August as far as my, my duties were concerned. So I had, I had a vicar for the first two and weeks of my ministry, when? the 22nd of August. So you were a lay minister for 21 days. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Huh. <laughs> 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 and, Sorry. It, and, I, and then I didn't. Preach. I'm going to mind this in another episode, but I didn't realize that there was this this discrepancy. That <laughs> and then I didn't preach until the week after, so I, I was like, you know, serving a full month before I actually preached a sermon. So. Uh, and when when were you ordained, Colin? You've been 17 years. Ago? July 17th. Just had my 17th nice. anniversary. Yeah, that's July so. 18th. Yeah. Hey, back nice. to back. We had shared dates. Nice. And just a few days. Greg is out how long years. now? Uh, let's see. I was ordained in 2010, so 12 years. So yeah, we're July all, 18th. We're all two numbers of uh, service in the ministry and still going. Um, Jason's now served in two places. Mm-hmm. He's put in a, a year of, of service as a professor now. Yeah. Colin's been at three. 
Greg, you were two, two now here with WLC a while, and two for me as well, not counting Vicar years, uh, <clears throat> of course. And so why ministry? What's the kind of stuff that keeps you plugging along? What are the blessings? And I think, um, if we're going to be honest, maybe some of what are some of the challenges, uh, not in a complaining sort of way. Um, but should it be an episode that kind of encourages people to think about that? Or <clears throat> not just for um, public ministry in the parish, uh, but maybe to get people to think about, too, how they are able to plug in and support the ministry of their congregations and of their pastors. Um, I know sometimes it's really exciting when we will get a listener who emails and says, hey, you guys were talking about this, and we decided to, to do that. Um, maybe that can be helpful as well. And so before I make the intro much too long, Jason, you've read this before, right? Oh, I have. You have? Uh, Jason will, uh, will read us the disclaimer. I'm secretly hoping you mess it up. Did you want to say anything about 1517 before? Oh, look at you saving the day. Why don't you say something? Well, we are part of the uh, 1517 podcast network. You can find that at 1517.org. Oh, you already better. Mike always messes that up. Oh, yeah. Different resources there. Other podcasts, classes, books, things like that. Lots lots of good things there. Um, And uh, we're thankful to be part of that group. And uh, we're thankful for the support that uh, they give us, which should we mention that... uh, The new headsets we're using today. Today we're using headsets for the first time. Can I mention quick? Yeah. Your book published by 1517 is on display in a glass case in the library. Yeah, I saw that. I brought a... So I brought our neighbor... um, Jason, you met Abraham Sanchez. You were I, at the graduation yeah, confirmation yep, I did, party. Yep. And Abraham is a young man, and uh, he has a lot of energy. And um, My kids have been hanging out with the, the neighbors next door, and uh, we brought Abraham Sanchez. He came to campus to help me move my new reading chair into my my office. I brought him in here. We recorded like a little three-minute episode with him and uh, took him to the library, and Sophie showed him the, uh, the books there and said, uh, the... Uh, you know who wrote those? He said, I don't know. And uh, she said, that's my dad, Wade Johnston. And he said, no, his name's Ron Johnson. <laughs> he insists he thinks I'm Ron Johnson. I don't know if he's been watching YouTube and these ads keep coming up, but he he calls me Ron Johnson. So yeah. I don't know what to think. Nice. I'm going to keep my social commentary to myself. <laughs> um, so maybe that'll have to be a meme at some point yeah. as well. But I did notice that, yeah. Very nice. And I realized that I pointed to you when I said your, which doesn't work very good on a podcast. That's right. So I was pointing to Wade Johnston's book, just to be clear. Yeah. And if need be, we'll call out any funny hand gestures you make, too, because that happens on occasion, too, when someone makes a funny gesture that isn't clear. and Yeah. Anything more you want to say on 1517? Uh, no, you did a good job pointing that out. I think I owe you another free glass from Discount Liquor. Oh, well. So... That was, that was very kind of you. But now, I'm going to read the disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So, approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize that you are just listening to a podcast that's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
And that brings us to our free-for-all where we discuss our pressing topics of the day. And we were, I had said, well, maybe we'll just do no free-for-all and get to the main topic. And Greg was very excited um, to have a, at least a brief free-for-all discussion. And I will say, Greg came in with news, and he's been checking news as we have gone, and he's had more news as we go. What's the excitement today, Greg? As we record today, what's, why is this a big day in, in the sports world? As we record today, we are about an hour and 27 minutes away from the MLB trade deadline. And I am refreshing Twitter literally every probably 10 seconds. Let's go around the table real quick. Don't say what your team is, but uh, let's play buyers and sellers. I'll go first. My team is a seller. My team's a buyer. Hardcore buyer, like big time buyer. Yeah. So, um, I mean, no, 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 no. I said that wrong. <laughs> big time <laughs> seller. Yeah. So <laughs> I haven't wrong. been checking much, but I, I am. When the episode's over, plan to go to Tigers Twitter and expect um, that they've just, after seven years of rebuilding, which is a normal cycle, you know, seven years. I mean, you get a doctorate degree in that time. Um, <laughs> It looks like we're entering another rebuild, which is, is just it's, it's great to have four rebuilding teams in one city. And so on. I'm hoping they actually were unsuccessful trading because I do think they have some talent they could build on. I think what they need to do is fire their GM first before they put anybody in charge of dealing pieces right now. So From one seller to another, do you not like the fact that your GM got Javi Baez at an incredibly high amount? Yep. Well, not so uh, just, you know. Well, not showing up anything around him. Yeah, um, I don't think Javi's a guy you build around, Wade. No, I mean, uh, just bat wise, they kind of said this is going to be our bat. Gotcha. And <laughs> then we'll just have eight other guys. Well, Cabrera is somewhat reliable, but <laughs> you only like, need one, right? Yeah, you only need one. Yeah. Uh, Jason, we'll go. Uh, what is this clockwise? Yes. All right. Talk about your stupid team. All right. <laughs> Well, I don't have any stupid teams, so that might be hard for me to talk about, but uh, my team is the Minnesota Twins, and a uh, much better situation this year than, than last year. Do so. they have anyone that can pitch in the 90s this year? Yeah. Yeah, they do. That's always the Twins to me. It's like, it's like <laughs> odd question. They have like 20 guys that pitch 84 miles per hour historically. Like that's always what I've Yeah, that was the old uh, pitch to contact strategy yeah. that they were rocking for a while. And then just hope people not... lose it in the Metrodome ceiling. Yep, that didn't <laughs> like, work out so well. Let's just get pop flies and right. then hope our horrible stadium will. But you're talking um, pitching, which is exactly what they needed, and they've got – two pitchers already today i guess so that's not bad a starter and um a pretty decent reliever i think so so good news um hopefully that will help them for the stretch run and they've had a much better year this year mm-hmm. than the disappointment that was last Do you year. think they uh they'll make a playoff run or they'll play the yankees <laughs> well they're currently riding the longest postseason losing streak in major league baseball so uh, well they um, struggle with the yankees and i would not want to play the yankees oh, no this kidding year, so. yeah i would agree yeah but it seems like they always draw the yankees they do it it they're like a magnet yeah mm-hmm. that's not good i actually don't mind them doing i the only team i really don't like in the al central is the white Sox. so yeah i don't mind yeah it's nice to see minnesota do okay i yeah. kirby pocket made me a fan back in the day so. he was he was good he was good. Yeah. All right, Colin, you're oddly in a room of four guys in Milwaukee. 
I'm the only Brewer fan. Yeah. Although they're my yeah. second team. Yeah. I adopted every Wisconsin team as my second team except the Packers. Okay. When I married my wife. And I get that. The only that. reason I did not adopt the Packers was um, Packer fans. <laughs> so, Amen to I, that. I get yeah. it. Uh, yeah, tough to see Hater go. He was a favorite. Uh, fun to watch him. But I get um, Stearns, I think, is doing a nice job of keeping the team competitive. And so we, we got a lot of good back and knowing Hater probably wasn't going to be able we weren't going to be able to hang on to him long term but tough to see him go William, Williams will be good but it hard to imagine winning it all after a trade like that but his goal Seems I like think is that, that keeps you able maybe to battle your way through but yep. also helps stave off a seven year rebuild right yeah point and I think that's he's been pretty clear sometimes a team about will go that in and just pay to win and then yep. it gets absolutely brutal after that, yep. and uh, yeah. so do, do you think they're signaling so that they're year. not going to compete this year? Because, no, because I mean they're right in the middle. They of are, it. yeah. I, I think um, I don't think the bullpen's better without him, but yeah. I I think they I think they feel good about making the playoffs, and then it see what happens. But I think the deal hopefully keeps them contending three years from now. It's as an well. odd message, though. It it's is a really yeah. odd message that gets sent. I think if. Uh, what they should do is, Alavila, if you guys have anybody you don't need that can hit like 225, <laughs> um, the Tigers' strength is actually their bullpen. It's one of the better bullpens in the league. He might give you the whole bullpen if you have, For, you know. We could probably find a guy who could hit 225. Yeah, I think, Maybe. Um, especially like a left-hander. Yeah. That really catches attention. Greg, how are you feeling? Are many of our listeners might remember who you're a fan of, but I don't know if you've said so that. I'm a, I'm a huge Cubs fan, and I'm not a fair weather fan. I am like... All in, all the time. So even though the Cubs, hey, he Greg still has the giant W flag up in his office, even though it's kind of <laughs> ironic at this point. At this point, yeah, they're about twenty games under five hundred. Although they're, they have a better record counting. than the Tigers. Yeah, which is good. Um, they sold off everybody last year, and all those sell-offs look pretty good right now because none of those guys are doing that great. Javi Baez, <laughs> he's very streaky for the Tigers. <laughs> Uh, Chris Bryant. He did get hot for a little while, and we had that six-game win streak. Yeah. It's just yeah, when you wedge those between, like, eight-game losing streaks. And we saw that in Chicago for about six years. Uh, Chris Bryant's on the injured list for, like, the third time this year. He's got four home runs in the year. Mm. And not one in Coors Field. How do you not hit a home run in Coors Field? <laughs> uh, but as of right now, both Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are in the lineup for tonight's game. So I assume by the time we're done with this, I will interrupt with a huge announcement that only I will care about. By the way, I think <laughs> we you know, we're doing this as a Why Ministry episode, and I think it would be funny if someone like started a podcast that did this with like ministry, like with pastors. Like you put hasn't hit a home run at course. Like if you could be like, you know, dude's located right here, hasn't had a visitor. In three years. <laughs> and then you just riff on it, you know? So then would Detroit still be looking for a pastor who hits 225? Yeah, or? oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there are congregations. They'll take 225. A nice loyal 225. There you go. Is better than, you know. A, a, he shows up every day. Yeah, yeah he does. He strikes it. out a lot, but he shows up every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Utility infielder. He can do a bunch of things. Yep. Yeah. And know. none of the things that well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just but, okay. Yeah. But sometimes that's what you need. Right. Exactly. We'll see. Yep. Because otherwise you get like the 350 hitter, but he's a prima donna and he only, yep. he only likes hitting one field. Yep. 
And then he only has like two good years. Yep. You get the and DH. And then just kind of fades off into the sunset and the team collapses after yeah. he leaves. Mm. You get the DH. There's the, a lot of. The like Sunday <laughs> preacher, but he's yeah. just no good the rest of the week. I think that would be the equivalent of the DH. The DH, mm-hmm. yeah. You know. Yeah. You know who would be a good ministry? Ichiro back in the day. Oh, man, yeah. That would be. That's how you got to do ministry. You're not going to hit 50 home runs, but you'll hit a couple. Yeah. You're going to put the ball in play. Yeah. Yeah. He is a yeah. He is a neat player. Did you see just this last year? He threw out the first pitch at a game. He got clocked at ninety three. Really? <laughs> Ooh, wow. And he's like four. What is he? Forty eight? Something like that. Uh, he might yeah. be in his fifties. Older. Well, so well, there you go. If yeah. if you are a retired pastor, and still throwing ninety three, just doing all right. Yeah, I just happened to catch a video of some of his skill. They were they were like each real skills that. This was probably on one of the few days you came in the office. Yeah, probably. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. But just some of the things that he's, and this was like current. It wasn't like back when he was in his prime. It was mm-hmm. things that he would do, you know, now. And yeah. it's just crazy. Yep. Some of the weather and different things, you know, the, the, the hitting, the. And that arm. team never won one, right? No. no. Him no. and A-Rod and Griffey no. for a couple of yep. years. Right or am I? Uh, they, or I'm not sure not, if they crossed over. Maybe they didn't. Maybe I, Griffey I was gone. Griffey was over. earlier, I think. Yeah. 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 But him and A Rod maybe were contemporary. We'll have to that later. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. If someone finds out, we'll have an update. All right, we better make our way to the main topic. Inevitably, this is what's going to happen. Someone's going to email and say, "Really enjoyed the baseball discussion. It's been a while since you've you've done that." And then someone's going to email and say, "Be so much better if you didn't have the free for alls." And I'm going to have to nicely email back and be like, we put the timestamps in the show notes. If you want to skip, you can. But uh, the free-for-alls are always very polarizing, except for the Animal Fights free-for-alls. <laughs> they are almost universally well-received. Really? Well, yeah. and you can, you can reply that you were not going to do a free-for-all. It was my fault. Just don't give them my personal email. Uh, it's good. We did one. Because some people, yeah. that's their favorite thing. So, But we're yeah. going to get to the main topic. Jason. Yeah. I, I've, I haven't been in an Animal Fight free-for-all. I'm... This is something I think we might have to do. You have to cultivate a certain dynamic to have them. Huh. It's like a carefree, okay, laid back. Um, and it's been. This is not your thing. You're you're always so laser focused, intense. Oh. All right, I'll have to, to to really sit back and think about like a shark versus a gorilla. I'll have to be a little more at a public pool. Yeah. Ichiro's first year with the Mariners was 2001. Rodriguez's last year was 2000. Oh, oh, all right. Huh. All right, we're going to the main topic. Here we go. And that brings us to our main topic, which is why ministry. And I thought a, a helpful way maybe for us just to begin um, is to, to briefly, maybe each of us can talk our own path to ministry a little bit. I'm trying to think, um, Greg, you might be the only PK in the room, right? Was your yeah, dad pastor or so. teacher? I missed, he was pastor, right? But yeah. then he also yep. taught. Pastor's kid. Um, so I would guess that's percentage is a little off maybe from where we're at synodically in the Wisconsin or do you, maybe a quarter you think maybe closer 30 40 percent maybe that'd probably be my guess but I don't know it'd be interesting to see 
Um, but we have uh, four different routes kind of taken to ministry in the room. And so I will, so that I'm not talking too much, I'll just briefly start and then maybe we'll go count, or clockwise again. Um, I was not raised in Lutheranism. I was raised in Roman Catholicism. I took adult instruction classes my senior year of high school, um, <clears throat> well, junior and senior year. And during that, um, my pastor, Pastor Verts, who's now gone home to heaven, had encouraged thinking about ministry, perhaps. I had to be confirmed a Lutheran the year before enrolling at MLC if I went there. So I was confirmed New Year's Eve of 1995, um, a great Michigan district <coughs> kind of um, <laughs> mini rebellion. Um, but I'd actually ended up going because now um, district president uh, Phil Hirsch had been recruiter for MLC then. And he had been out at Michigan Lutheran Seminary, and he swung down because Vert said he had this guy you should talk to. I ended up taking a tour at MLC, and I thought, um, you know what, I can do a year, and if it's stupid, then I'll, then I'll quit. And um, I that's suppose, a great attitude yeah. to go in with. <laughs> and uh, it turns out I'm just not a pretty good quitter, so <laughs> I uh, rolled with the punches and ended up ordained. But um, my family background: my uh, dad was a truck driver. And uh, my mom um, worked in the public school. She was an occupational therapy assistant. And so there was no, like, Lutheran ministry background um, in the the family. Uh, but um, got really interested in theology, went out, thought I'd give it a try, and kind of made friends and, and hung around. And I would say uh, in seminary got really interested in theology, um, which was a good time to, to do that. Um, Jason, you had a vision or something, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I that was go ahead what it and, was. and your path to ministry. Yeah, I was a lifelong lifelong Welser. Um, so born, raised uh, in Minnesota in Wells Congregation, not too far actually from Martin Luther College in New Ulm. And uh, when I was, I had I had um, long served long tenured pastor I should say serving he was not the one that baptized me but he was still there he got there I think when I was like not quite two and was still serving the congregation um when I went to college um and he had said at confirmation he said oh, I think that um you might have some gifts for ministry and so kind of thought about that a little bit more I like I had a grandma that said the same thing you know I'm like ah. That's what she all, I also said you were handsome. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, it's just things that grandmas are supposed to yeah. say, right? Um, but then it's like, well, maybe I should start thinking about this a little bit more. And, and it kind of um, got to the point where we were picking classes for junior year of high school and kind of it was at a moment of decision of um, am I going to kind of take extra languages to go the MLC route or am I going to take – a different science course or whatever to go the normal college prep route. And uh, at that point, I was kind of thinking about the different things that I would go and do if I went normal college prep, and they just didn't seem like the reasons that I would pick to do those sort of things just didn't seem as good as maybe the reasons that I would have for going to uh, going into ministry. And so, and if I recall, you were mostly looking at Gustavus Adolphus and MLC and Jason has a notorious anti-state <laughs> prejudice. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and once I found out that Gustavus Adolphus was Swedish, well then, no, no, that did, uh, Gustavus did not really enter into the equation. Jason has but, actually told me that 
when he studies the Thirty Years' War, he actually roots for the Catholics during the <laughs> Gustavus Adolphus phase. <laughs> actually, I did my I did my paper on the Swedes when uh, when I uh, had to take Deutschlander or when I chose to take Deutschlander's class. Religious Wars and Revolutions, yeah. yeah. So. so I interrupted you. you no, right. that's all right. So then um, I did choose to go the MLC route, but at the time thinking I'm going to go this route, I liked the language stuff, so that was appealing to me at that point in my schooling, and then I figured I just need to learn a lot more about this ministry thing because um, I don't want to get to the end of seminary and be like, oh, this isn't what I want to do some like eight, ten years later, you know, from that point of my schooling, and... And the more I learned about it, the more I thought, yeah, this is something that really intrigues me. I'd like to do this. So that was how I ended up not only going to MLC, but then through the system and ended up ordained as well. Because I thought, too, is like, if this thing is stupid, I'm going to quit. Yeah. But, but you actually, quite... you entered the ministry and then got ordained. <laughs> yes, I, I did serve for a few weeks before my ordination because... Uh, One of those had, famous Martin Luther Nina trial periods. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all the area pastors are like, well, we, we could show our approval of his service here and, uh, we, you know, <clears throat> ordain him into the office of ministry, or we could wait and see how it goes for a month. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was uh, to be the reason for my delay of ordination was we were waiting for the current vicar to end his service. That's what they wanted. So. Because the vicar was just adamant that you not be ordained. <laughs> I guess. Just for, the, just for the record, I had the same situation in Did my you? church. Yeah. I was still ordained at a right. regular time. Yeah. I still had no trial period. Hmm. So I don't no. know what, must yeah, have been something about it, your face. It must have been. Did yeah, you do any services during that time? I think I. You didn't wear stoles, I hope. No, I did not. I don't, I don't know if I. I think, did I do one Sunday morning thing before that just because... Well, up there, like, you and the vicar look the same. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't wear stolen until I was ordained, so... Well, good. All right, Colin, anything you'd like... You don't have to share anything yeah. if you don't want to. Uh, similar to Jason a little bit, grew up Wells, up in Appleton, Lutheran grade school, Lutheran high school. Uh, ministry was never really on the radar, um... Family was all wells, had dad and grandpa and uncles that all served in a lot of ways at their churches, but no pastors or teachers, so didn't really was, wasn't on the radar. And then um, senior year, my high school pastor uh, encouraged me to think about it, give it a shot. I, I went on the tour to MLC and honestly didn't really have anything else to do, <laughs> so I said, well, go to MLC. And I think it was probably my junior year up there where it finally clicked, like, yeah, I, I could probably see myself being a pastor. So It was with, probably, I would guess, um, Josh Roth rubbed up. It probably, us, yeah. It must have been his influence. With us as yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I give a lot of credit to that, my high school pastor because I would never have even thought of it if he hadn't planted the idea. And then um, God worked it out, and if I can get through it, I think. And Greg, I think even anybody can, can get through it. Yeah, it's true. Greg, you want to share? Yeah, yeah. Mine uh, also not very exciting. Um, I guess I'm the only PK in the room, only pastor's kid in the room. Uh, my dad served in Illinois when I was growing up at a large congregation, so I saw everything that a pastor brings to a large congregation. Meaning, I didn't see a ton of my dad growing up. He was, you know, always serving. Um, 
you know, wonderful father and all that by all means, but just saw what a large congregation can do to, to a single, a solo pastor. Uh, then he took a call out to Southern California to a mission church. So I got involved in that throughout high school. We were in a storefront and then we were too comfortable in our storefront. So we went from school to school to school to school. So, you know, Bible classes in our living room, um, showing up and, and the doors being locked. So we had church out in the <laughs> parking lot outside the school, you know, just a lot of really cool things, ministry experiences that I got to be a part of through my high school years. And, uh, similar to Jason, uh, I had to make a decision about languages. Um, and I, I just never really had anything else on the radar. So just ended up at Martin Luther college. And, um, I don't know that I ever had that moment where it was like, yeah, I don't think I can do this, or I think I really want to do this. I was just always doing it. You know, there there just really was no option to, yeah. for me. It explains how you were corrupted to your Illinois allegiances, too, I suppose. Yes, they for predated sports. they predated me. Yeah. So, um, just like so, like you guys saying, except Wade growing up in a Wells house, I grew up in a Cubs and Bears house. Yeah, it's just ingrained in our family. Well, you've done remarkably well overcoming such a such a trial. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. The I if it weren't for 1984, I would be extremely jealous of Greg because uh, my Tigers just couldn't quite finish it out in their runs too, and uh, so I uh, I I commend you for for, and I I think it was a a nice big win when you guys got it. So thanks. I uh, it's the kind of both of you. Has said something I have very a, kind to I me. have a <laughs> theology of the cross type appreciation for sports, especially as a Lions fan. And I, if we ever win a Super Bowl, I think it'll be like the World Series. It's just it's sweeter, right? That moment you could savor. So, let me ask this ministry question though to keep us on on track. So I got to see ministry growing up in my house. So I, you know, it's one thing to experience it personally, but as you guys got started out in the ministry. Did you have any idea what you were walking into, or were you just kind of like, <laughs> to some extent, nobody does, right? Well, I, I learned but, a lot from Father John and Father Joe, so I've pretty much just poked my way through the ministry. <laughs> it's worked all right. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I I give my my bishop a lot of credit my vicar year. Um, and just background in the Wisconsin Senate when we say bishop. I think Missouri does this too, but... We mean the the man who supervised you during your vicar internship year. But sorry. Yeah, yeah, he he just kind of threw me out there early, and just I had very little to ex- experience. It's not like it is now with these guys from Sam. I don't think they yeah they get out to churches yeah. in their first couple of years and, and get some experience. We didn't. I didn't have a lot of that, and he just kind of tossed me out there and said, "Just figure it out." And um, he gave me a lot of responsibility early, which which was good. Yeah. Um, it, it taught me right away. You gotta gotta figure it out, and um, it was it was fun, and I, I I came out of there a lot more confident than when than when I went in for sure. Yeah, and more seriously, I would say I'd, similar with um with Pastor Burtz when I was back um, in Detroit, you know, for the summers, uh, staying with my parents. Uh, he would put me to work, helping with stuff, you know, say, hey, here's, you know, tag along for this, and and he was always good of. He had even said about going to MLC, I think he knew I was going to go to MLC and be shocked by some stuff or disappointed just because 
you're new to a church and you um, have rose-colored goggles, you know, this is, uh, and that's not a knock at W that, of MLC, that's just, it's 18-year-old men in a dorm, you know. Um, and, and I was always, ext- I was so busy praying and fasting with myself. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, he would, he would say with ministry, too, you know, um, the, the devil is going to work hard on this because this is a good thing. And so he also would, you know, sometimes when we'd be talking or sitting down and, and kind of walk through, like, hey, here's, here's things you got to expect, you know, when you're going to serve. And, and I, that was always kind of helpful for, especially as I had my vicar year and then going out of like, okay, yep, these, these things are normal because otherwise it would have been very easy to like view him and, um, you know, Oh, Pastor Verts must have never had to face this. He was always, you know, because he was so formative for me. So I always appreciated that um, as my main, like, example of what ministry looked like. And then I would say um, I've had friends who have been very good pastors. Uh, our class, and so uh, um, a, a lot of the class behind us started with us, and then some of us were four years, some of us were five years. Some went to Europe, some found themselves for a year um and uh but i would say that group of friends i was blessed blessed with have um overall been very very good pastors and so i think i've also benefited from that fraternal relationship you know so that in your early years you're talking to each other if you got to call someone up and you're you know just frustrated out of your mind and you can be frank with things i think the like having that Growing into this together was a big part of me learning as well. Like, this isn't unique to me. They're facing this. Or, like, everybody has their time where they kind of be, got to be, like, you're all worked up about something. And someone's like, you know, that's maybe just let it chill or, you know, vice versa. But, yeah. Just. Yeah, I, I would say that, that that's a – I appreciate you asking the question, Greg, because that's something that – It's Gregory Lyon compliment fest today. Yeah, man. It's, it's great. It's being super sellers, probably. That you know. <laughs> a- anyway, the uh, he's not going to give you any more pictures. No, I guess not. But we could use another one. But anyway, um, the that's something I think that I wrestled with a little bit. I didn't. I felt very, um, very well prepared or equipped for like the nuts and bolts tasks of ministry coming through school, but. Not having some of that, I, I I remember thinking, I don't remember how far into it, but you know, a, a year or two or a few into ministry, thinking, but I'm really kind of jealous of my classmates who grew up in a parsonage, grew up in a pastor's home, because like there are some of these things that just like click automatically for like they it just well you just do this. I'm like, oh yeah, um, I, that's something that I guess I had to think about. I had to think through a little bit and. And I, w- I would echo the thoughts that you made, Wade, as just the idea of um, brothers in ministry as far as classmates go, I think were a big help. Um, you know, just uh, I think we, as a, especially those early years in ministry, our class, I think, talked a lot mm-hmm. um, via email and some of those other vehicles um, about different things, which that was very helpful. Sometimes about ministry. Sometimes about ministry, yes. Not not always about ministry, but sometimes. And then I, I was blessed to have a really good group uh, in my circuit, honestly, the whole way through my time in the Fox Cities. Um, 
in Wisconsin that I had very wonderful brothers in the circuit that um, were always available to ask questions of and um, help that um, district president was in our circuit for a good chunk of time, which that was always kind of interesting. You got a little bit of a behind the scenes peek at some things, you know, and just trying to understand more of what goes on and what goes into this thing being a pastor. And, and I think those type of experiences were big for me to, to, to help understand just kind of some of the, um, the mentality or the thought process again is like, I've, I've felt comfortable doing a hospital visit or a shut-in call or, you know, leading a service or that type of stuff. But some of the, the thought process, I would say was those brothers in ministry were a big help in that regard. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead. Can I dive in on that? Just, just the brothers in ministry. And I know you got a lot of guys studying to be pastors who listen. Um, It's hard to quantify the value of the time that you spend with your brothers when you're in school. Um, Even if you're doing something that has literally nothing to do with ministry. And this is, again, some of, in, in a lot of American Lutheranism, in the Wisconsin Synod, we all go through not only the same seminary, but the same college. In the Missouri Synod, you're going to have, everybody's going through one of two seminaries. And so, you know, there's, these eight-year, four-year relationships, ELS is the mm-hmm. same with Bethany, that are going to form. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it's invaluable to build those relationships while you're in school and, and to find those people that you know are going to be your lifelong compadres. And then you get out into the ministry and you find a whole new group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll get these late-night telegram texts from you guys, and I'm just like, what on earth is going on right now? And then Mike will chime in and just say something along the lines of like, where else are you going to get this? You you need, you need that outlet right. to just kind of talk about stuff that mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And sometimes that also involves like 47 gifts or gifs or however you want to say it. Yeah. Usually it goes, yes. <clears throat> Greg, like sometimes it'll go, Greg poses a question. I would say it gets strung out. A legitimate out. one. Right, like, like 20 like minutes of, of goofing question. and not answering, knowing that it's annoying, Greg. And then there's good conversation after. But uh, <clears throat> maybe to tie in with that, um, as we start out in the ministry or maybe even things still to this day, I think we'll, we'll do challenges first and then do blessings or things we're really uh, drawn to. And uh, we won't go way along with this episode, but it's something we can build on maybe if we can get people to join us again. Um, what... Uh, what have you found most challenging in ministry? And this can be just personally, maybe it's not your strongest gifts or um, uh, it's just a difficult thing. And I w- I'll start off again and maybe we go around just so, um, you know, not putting you guys on the spot. I would say um, that personally for me, um, with ministry, anything um, administrative, meeting, <laughs> stuff like that, um, was always a challenge because I'm a much more like, let's go do it. Um, I like preaching. I like teaching. Voters meetings are just a, a special sort of purgatory for me. Um, and now you're a lay member. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> is that worse or better? Yeah. <laughs> but I would, I would say what I grew in appreciation for those things and the need to do those things well, because those things, happening in good order made a lot more time for the things I, I really enjoyed. 
Um, but I would say that would be one of the, the challenges. Um, if people ask me what do I not miss about the parish, I usually say meetings. But the second thing I guess I would say that I found to be a challenge, and this maybe ties into meetings and administration, um, and it's been a great blessing at WLC. It, there's parts of it that I do miss, but overall, um, I don't think you've probably, Greg or Jason, I don't think you've ever heard my phone make a noise <laughs> other than music. <clears throat> I I used to really struggle with like sometimes waiting for that to ding or ring, et cetera. Um, the aspects of ministry of I've got this thing coming up for my kid. What if someone gets sick? Or the the things where ministry could suddenly take you away from things um, and uh, or when things might happen, right? The Lord's time wasn't always my time and, uh, and being prepared for those things. So I would say, um, and not in a bad way, I've always wanted people to call me, right, if there was something to, to reach out. Um, but you have this amazing flexibility of time in ministry sometimes where it's like, I've got these days this week, okay, but that can get that can go away like that. Um, and I would say, so I sometimes struggled with ever really being able to settle into study or family or prayer or whatever in a way that I would have liked because I, um, one of the things I see you do, Colin, which I started doing on my phone, I didn't know you could do it until I say do it, is that do not disturb. Like it'll say like, it's on do not disturb right, right for now, which tells me praying, you're studying, you're doing ministry, or you just are sick of Wade. Um, I don't know if you can do that for just one person. But I would say that's by far the thing that uh, that is different. Sometimes I'll get a late night message, whatever, but but I'm not waiting for like the next, who's going to get this horrible sickness or, or what, you know. Um, I, I just sleep so much better than I guess I did. And, and that's not to complain because some of those calls were the most wonderful moments they turned into when at 2 a.m. I'm at a hospital for some unanticipated thing and everybody's ready to go to the Lord, myself included, <coughs> and say what now. Um, but I would say that was for me, and I'll, I'll throw it to you, Jason. I talked too much there. I would say, and this maybe ties in a little bit with the my answer to what Greg had asked, the idea that um, especially early on trying to, like, having people or, or feeling like people were expecting you to read their minds about like, like expecting that, you know, you were also omniscient as the savior that you serve was omniscient. Or you right? knew everything about the congregation after having been there right. for like yeah. three months. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, well, and, and this would, this would be the, the, um, the thing that would get me is that, um, you would have someone in need of pastoral care. Right. And then you had, you would go to the one visit and there's like, why did you wait so long? I, I was wanting you to, why, why, why hasn't anybody come to see me? You know, and did it's you like, tell anybody? That, right. The first, the first I've heard of it was like a day ago. And this is the first yeah. opportunity that I've had. And, you know, and then the next person. Everybody always assumes someone else has called the past. Yes. Yeah. And then the next person. It's kind of like an accident. And everybody assumes everybody's called 911. So no one yeah, calls them. Yeah, yep. yep. exactly. And then the next person, like you went right away and they're like, what, what are you doing here? I don't need you. You know, I, I if, if I'll call you if I want you, you know, and I and like just, that person. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I say and, to Jason too. and then and then sometimes you have, well, why did you do that? And you'd almost get chewed out. Like, why, why, why did you, why did you bother me? Why are you, you know what? And so did you ever have where you went to visit someone in the hospital and they thought they were dying? Because like, 
Yeah. You would come and offer communion, and they're like, "Is it that bad?" Yeah, I think I think honestly, one guy got you know he was <laughs> just got upset with me because I just uh, he you know he had had several um, issues health wise, and just you know uh, said, "Well, and of course the greatest." you know, renewal of strength and whatever, you know, we know is coming for us in heaven. You're not saying that, which by the way is right now for you, buddy, you know, right. um, but just saying, Hey, that might, that might be, you know, that, at, that some point. It's, at some point it's coming for us. And if this is that time for you, um, and, uh, that was, um, upsetting apparently. And, uh, and then I would say the other, there was, uh, one other thought. So, so just that idea of, you know, reading, reading uh, a person's mind or expecting that they would read that you'd be able to read their mind would be one. Um, and then, you know what? It slipped my mind. I might have one other one if it, if it comes back to me. Sure. So Colin. So I'd agree with, don't say anything specific to Pilgrim cause they might listen. Right. Right. I agree with a lot what you said about the time before. Um, and that's changed over the, my career, I think. Uh, when the kids are young, you have certain challenges with how much time to spend. Um, always, the challenge for me has been to be, I'm, I'm such a people, I like people. It's hard to be in the office, right? So that's that balance. But I think the other challenge, um, I think pastors, I think have to do with kind of unique kinds of guilt sometimes. And, um, Every place I've served, associate on my own, bigger church, not as big, there's always work that doesn't get done, right? And, and finally, you just have to come to terms with it's not all going to get done, right? And I think as a young pastor, that was hard because you see all these things that could be getting done, people that could be being served, and you, just, you only have so much bandwidth, right? And I think... Yeah. Um, that was a struggle early on and just, just understanding you, you do what you can do and, and you, and you pray and God's going to cover, cover the rest. And, and there's never going to be a day when there's not work to do in the kingdom yeah. and that's job security. Right. But that, but that takes a while to, yeah. to be okay with a that. young idealistic guy and all of these things in your head yeah. are going to set off like huge, th like if I don't do this and there won't be, and then you kind of realize some of it, like, I'm glad I didn't do that then because it, you know, um, but yeah, I think um, especially where um, where Greg and I are and where Colin serves now, we're in the process of calling a second pastor. And I mean, I think that's something I've appreciated in my short time there with the leadership is like the acknowledgement of like God's giving us all sorts of opportunities. But, you know, there's only so much that you, you have to be able to pick and choose and um, otherwise you will burn out. I mean, that's how. I think that's the same as with any field, but you look at the numbers for pastors across denominations that that burn out. And um, I would say connected with that, and you guys can agree or disagree, but a challenge that I had to learn to get better at, and I think it connects to the brothers, and it connects to not burning out, is that we get very attuned to giving, right? Um, we're giving our time, we're giving the word, um, we're giving our prayers, that learning to receive in that as well and I think that's something I've grown in thankfully through sometimes brothers saying like hey you got to stop or like just randomly like absolving me 
you know, to have that. And I have not served with an associate, so I don't know if that always plays out or, or how that comes in. Um, but I think with the time and then with the guilt, that can be something that really can sit and, and eat at a guy um, because I really love giving the gospel. But that's a, a something that's been a blessing to BWC is I receive it so much more now, you know. And, well, and, you know. and speaking to the guilt aspect, I think we can take Paul's words you know, I will become all things to all people. And we can take that so far out of context. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, that right. was tossed around a lot. <laughs> right. We we take that so far out of context, and, and we just assume I have to, like, I'm it. I'm the only person that can save these people. And none of us will openly admit to having a Messiah complex. But every time we had that sleepless night because of that one person wasn't that wasn't served, that's our Messiah complex stepping in. I mean, it, it sneaks its way in. When Paul's getting at the freedom of the ministry, yeah. not the not the burden and the guilt of the and ministry. And that like, oh, Paul equally related to every person. Right. Like, there's people he got along with better than others. Is like, <laughs> you know, it. But that that that's the joy of the gospel is you right. can be for all. Greg, what do you got? So yeah, I want to get to blessings, but and I know some of us are gonna have to go in a bit. But you touched on the one that I was gonna get at just a little bit. Um, Unlike the other people in this room, um, and I'm not trying to be humble when I say this, but I mean it sincerely, I am not an academic. So to produce something theologically rigorous that makes sense for people takes a lot of time, a lot of energy for me. So what that ends up meaning is I get a lot of output, <laughs> not a lot of input. Because I spend so everything I read I read with an idea towards how can I utilize this in my sure. ministry. Um, even if I sit down and read a nonfiction book, I'm, or a, rather a fiction book, I'm thinking in terms of sermon illustration. Yeah. Like yeah. it just never, ever leaves. And so the challenge for me is to just turn it off. And like you said, receive a little bit so that I can sit at the feet of somebody else and say, I literally just want to grow um, I want to uh, be absolved. I want to whatever, because that's what I need, not because that's what my people need, but because that's what I need. And in turn, your people are better off exactly. for it. Yep. I mean, that's the right. that's the thing about it. That, and I think synodically, I've been really happy with the increased emphasis on that. You know, with growing grace or other stuff of 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 quite frankly saying to the to our lay people like. You're going to be much better fed if your pastor's fed too, you know. And I think that that well, and helping pastors understand that self care is an important part of ministry because if you're not if you're not taking care of yourself so that you can be at your best, then you're it's not going to you're not going to be serving it's like the well, physician and, who works himself yeah, to the bone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And if I can just add to that, I I'm going to be doing a presentation with our. RAs here at WLC in a couple of weeks. And one of the points I want to make is take care of yourself, not just for the sake of other people. I mean, for the sake of other people, for sure. But remember that you're a valued child of God yep. in and of yourself. You're worth take, being taken care of. Yep. And I think sometimes we can lose that. It's all about I'm going to take care of myself so that I can be a, a better producer for other people, which is true. 
but just remember that you're a valued child of God who needs to be taken care of as well. Yeah. And and I'll say, th- this is the other thing that I was thinking about, and it ties in a little bit with that. I see you used my post-it notes there, by the way. I did. I, I did use one of them. I'm I'll glad you mean They're yours I'll, now. I'll give I you give the, them to you. I'll give you the rest back if you want. Um, the, But the idea of finding the like appropriate distance in relationships within the congregation, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important because, you know, that's part of, you know, I mean, having um, a support system, you know, as a person, as a family, those type of things, that's important and you want to have some of those relationships. But at the same time, you have to be careful um, that you're still able to serve people in the various ways that they might need to be served, you know, which could become difficult, you know, if, and, and I think especially early on trying to figure out where's that boundary, where's that boundary. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it's a challenge. And, we, and I, I had associates all the way along, which was a great blessing. Um, and we had a, a school staff the whole way along. So you had some built in there. But even there, you know, that can be a challenge. Yeah. So And we are, I, I would say, um, the three of us are very spoiled here. And there's no ministry setting that's perfect. And I think all of us at times can, like, look at a ministry setting and be like, it'd be so great to do that. But then you talk to brothers who are in that, and you're like, <clears throat> and I think sometimes, like, People will think, oh, you guys are out of college. Like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this. Like, anybody should be, should be sitting there saying, oh, I should be out of college. Because we could also make a list of stuff that comes up that we never would have to deal with in the parish, that whatever. But I will say one of the brothers, one of the, the great benefits is, is I've got, you know, a handful of people that I can message are you in and walk across. And I've done that to you guys at different times. And <clears throat> just drop in your office or vice versa. Um you usually keep trying to convince me that you're not available. Yeah, but uh. it's not working. But I will say um, there are. Uh, I I've, when I've gone presenting places, one of the things I've really appreciated about the districts where guys are more spread out is those um, conferences. Everybody's there, and sometimes their families are there, and you can tell they're they're relishing the the time. That can be hard, right? When you're when you don't have, you know, when you are far apart, and for your family as well. To have those boundaries, you know, that I don't want my kid going and playing with some other kid from the congregation and saying something, not something that like that, oh, my dad's at home doing meth, you know, (laughs) but like their dad is that person's pastor, you know, and and you know how kids are. They just soak stuff up. Um, All right. Greg and I will have to go in a little bit. I want to get around. We'll get blessings. And then if if you guys have time, I think down the road, we'll do a follow up to this because I think there's a lot more we can talk about. Um. And maybe why don't we do what has kept us in the ministry? So we're 18, 17, 12 years out. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I don't know about you guys. There's sometimes the, the times that something comes in your head of what if I had done that or what would I do if, you know, um, if they find out about the math and I get kicked out of the ministry, <laughs> you know, um, what um, – is he serious? Yeah. No. <laughs> we we went to uh, we went to German Fest and I took uh, Jason on the very scenic route. Yeah. Um, of yeah. the south side on the way down and um, at least two people clearly tweaking in the middle of the street that Jason yep. had to try to navigate around. And so yep. Yep. That's fresh. The one dude was, did a spin move. Yeah. Almost into vehicles, but it was still. Yep. It was pretty impressive. It was. Yeah. And may God be with them. I. Yes. I pray they find freedom from their addiction. Um. But. The stuff that has kind of kept me going, um, and I'll just give a few, and then maybe we can go around, we'll give a few, and then we'll wrap up. But one of them that I never thought would be one of them would be being at a deathbed. Uh, 
that just for me became so definitive of what ministry was because everything was stripped away and it's where the rubber hits the road right and and this is all that mattered there was Jesus and this person <clears throat> and to be there and to tell them you're getting transferred to a better pastor <laughs> like um that distilled things and and that's not I wasn't like praying that people regularly died because it helped with this but I was almost always rejuvenated by those encounters, especially because sometimes there would be people who I didn't think would die well and that they didn't necessarily suffer well always. And that is for sure me. Like, <laughs> I definitely hope, like, I just die in my sleep. You know, Trisha is, like, shaking me. Wait, get up. You know, we are going to be. And then it's like one last prank. I'm dead, you know. Um, and, <laughs> for the record, we're all praying you die well, too. Yeah, but I'm not a good sufferer. But to see sometimes those people who, who I didn't think would be good sufferers and to see the peace they were given um, was so encouraging to me as well. Um, and I would say um, that would be way big up there. Uh, I would say um, preaching to and, confer and giving communion to people who had invited Christ into their um, their difficulties and their crosses, and the other people sitting in the pews didn't know, but I did. Um, and to see them during the sermon and to see the gospel take root or to see them come to the supper um, and to give them in the midst of their trials uh, the very body and the blood of Christ. Uh, moments that... As someone who is very good at making moments about me, this is why I often am not a fan of announcements when I'm giving them because I turn <laughs> into stand-up comedian. It's like we just had Christ, and then now it's 10 minutes of Johnston jokes. <laughs> um, but for the, the record, <laughs> again, I said for the record for like three times now, even after you preach and you tell people to stand, you can't just say stand. You right. say I suppose the bulletin says that we're supposed to do something right but you'll now. Notice, quick look. But what if I, oh, I guess we what do stand. I do because I know myself? I do very bad at the beginning of a chapel. But at the end, to be fair, I say the blessing and I and I just go and sit down. And then you say nothing. But what I need to get better at is the beginning because I work in a lion joke, whatever Usually. else. Um, but I would say those moments where I become least cognizant of myself – and you're just lost in the gospel and the other person. Deathbed, um, serious sickbed, um, preaching and communing. Uh, those are moments that I just, they're, I'm not trying to make them hyper-spiritual or mystical, but they're just different, right? And, and, and that's probably something with the brothers that you, you guys, you know, that you share those with someone because those moments are almost impossible uh, to explain to to someone else, but yeah, we got to go somewhat quick with this. But Can we go counterclockwise? Because I really I do have to scoot here yeah. in just a minute. Um, no, I think Wade, as you were talking, the rest of us were we probably had images of different people <laughs> going through our heads, and uh, you know I can think of so many stories just that echo exactly what you're saying. Um, I would say the things that keep me going. Uh, besides what you already highlighted, what you already highlighted, I can think of four or five individuals on their deathbed that it was just shaping moments for me. 
But when God gifts you that person who just says, thank you, pastor, mm-hmm. and, and you're just, for one, you're not 100% sure what they're actually doing in church. And then they come up to you and say, thank you for what you did for me. Um, you know, I, I think of the Matthew 25 sheep and the goats thing, but I, I literally had a Matthew 25 sheep and the goats thing at commencement this last year when one of the graduates came up to me and said, Pastor Lyon, thank you. I'll never forget what you told me. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I can't remember what I told him. Kind of scares you. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember. Maybe it scare you. I think him. I said something inappropriate, maybe. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> um, but he said, what, what you told me changed my life. And, you know, we, we kind of cliche, you know, that's God working through me. But when I can't even remember what it is that I said that changed this young man's life, mm-hmm. um, how can I take any credit for that? Yeah. Uh, and, and when God gives you those those opportunities for somebody to say thank you for what you've done, um, man, you, you hang on to those yep. those notes that they write you, you know, if if you guys who are listening are just starting out in the ministry, get yourself a little file folder where you drop those notes and That's you go back idea. to them every once in a while to just say, okay, this is why I'm doing it. Not for the accolades, um, but you see the work of God through you, and that's such a humbling and awesome thing. Yeah, yeah and maybe pull that out and read on those days that uh, you don't really want to do this anymore. Which, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you have those moments too, so... Yeah, I mean, I'd echo a lot of what you guys have said. The it's the people and and um, seeing what the gospel can do in their lives. Um, just my favorite moments are we're sitting there in the Bible information class, and th- this person who knows nothing about God and the Bible, you know, you get to lesson two or three, and all of a sudden it, it just clicks with them. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I always heard my professors talk about that. I'm like, yeah, okay, sounds cool, whatever. And yeah. and then to actually see it, and it's just. Um, just awesome. And, and, you know, we all have those moments where you're like, yeah, flipping burgers sounds pretty good right now, right? And, and, but finally, what else are you going to do that moves the needle? Yeah. Right? You, um, there's nothing else. Um, this is about saving people from hell, right? And, and to be an instrument that God uses to do that, I mean, what, what else? It's not like no one else can do it, but it's it's if you give it up, you yeah, don't get to do it anymore. Right. Well, yeah. And think yeah. about the reality is, if we were flipping burgers, God wired us in such a way to say, there's people that I'm working with that need to hear about Jesus, <laughs> right? There's somebody who's wrapping up that burger that needs to hear about Jesus. There's somebody who's eating that burger who needs, God wires pastors in a certain way. And, and that's, I mean, he really does that with, with his whole body, right? But uh yeah, I wouldn't last long flipping burgers. I want to do that for like a week. <laughs> Jason, what do you yeah, got? I think you guys hit on, I, I would say the ones for me probably, you know, when you have those moments like in BIC when you when you almost see the light go Bible on. Bible information class. Yeah, Bible information class. Or even honestly in the, you know, um, freshman intro, Theology 105 intro to scripture class that, you know, have people that come without much background in Christianity for that. And you get to see the light, you know, go on a bit there. That's, those are always great experiences. And, and, you know, you have one of those. And I, I, I got to teach Bic for 
again, Bible information class or adult instruction, whatever you want to call it, through most of my time in ministry. And I was really sad when I, when I handed that over to somebody else because it's like this was almost consistently my favorite hour of the week. And uh, that, was, that was always good. And then I think, too, those moments, which I think kind of maybe hit on, uh, kind of combined both of what Wade and Greg were saying, that when somebody, you know, comes up and, you know, says, I really appreciated this. But what they're saying is not really you, or, you know, you, you as far as who you are or, right. or um, what I did through you. Yeah. But, you know, what it is that you were able to, the, the fact that, that they, they get the connection to the gospel, the connection to Jesus and the fact that the role that you got to play was just being the, the instrument to point them there. And if I can just add one thing to that, Colin, you were talking before about the unique guilt of a pastor. Um, not only through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins that's ours, is that guilt removed, but God also has a unique yep. way of blessing pastors yep. to counter that unique guilt that we carry. You get unique joys. You get unique mm-hmm. joys. And uh, yeah, you know, you got the old saying, if, if God can talk through an ass, he can talk through me, Right. But we become so keenly aware of our shortcomings. Yep. Um, and then for God to just throw you this moment and say, no, look how I'm using you. And if you refuse to see it, that's on you now because I'm smacking in the face with this person who yep, loves yep. you dearly. Yep. And, and it's just an awesome thing. I know um, sainted Professor Deutschlander, who is also now in heaven, uh, you know, at one of the presentations that, you know, he said, you know, pastors get those moments where you know the Lord gives the Lord gives them this this moment as if it were just for them, right. um, and you don't you don't know exactly when those come or what those look like, but when they come, pause a moment and take note of it, yeah. right? To say you know this this was so far over and above and extra, and there is no reason for this to happen except he needed or he knew that I needed to hear that, yep. to see that, whatever it might be. And I, I think then as we, we maybe wrap up, and I, if, Colin and Greg, if you're willing, I think we can revisit this and expand more sometime, and I, maybe you can get your pastor, if he's available, to join us at time too, because I, I think John would be helpful. Because yeah. um, I think there's a lot with the blessings we can unpack. But the theme of the podcast, Let the Bird Fly, um, right? the subtitle is Living Freely in a World Given Back to Us. And I think... Um, that's one of the things that's a unique joy for pastors is we really do get to see that world given back to us in so many ways. We, we get to see people at their best, at their worst, all the way in between. Um, but all of it is, is literally baptized, right? We're called to be there um, as, as, as the, the messenger of grace. Um, and we get to see the bad, but then we get to see an amazing thing that comes off. Um, and so as an encouragement to pastors who might be listening, if you've maybe had a rough, rough patch, um, I'm sure that joy at some point is on the way. Talk to a brother, um, but rejoice that God is using you in the way he has. If you're a pastor on that good patch, enjoy it. Lay people, um, know that your service, your vocation is is marvelously an import, important. Um, and it's it's what the pastoral ministry exists for is um, to serve the body of Christ and to equip them. Um, and so receive with joy uh, through the ministry of your pastors. 
but also, uh, um, you know, give thanks for them and pray for them and, uh, and know that, um, that what you do means more to them, uh, than, uh, you might know. And, and part of what you do is, is coming to them with your needs, um, coming to them for Christ. And I think sometimes people get nervous. They're going to put their pastor off. Oh, he's busy or he's going to think it's silly. I'm coming with this or he'll think less of me. Um, there's there's few things that are more encouraging to a pastor than someone trusting them um, to come to them in whatever the situation. And so pastors, lay people, all of us alike, I think something we can do together, um, and we will revisit this, but for now, is let the, work, the bird fly, um, live in God's grace, live freely, um, and know that in Christ all things are, are new, and uh, even in the midst of crosses, God will provide his joys as well.